0: Why don't we begin? To Everyone we hope you enjoy the down. And this is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello, hello. Welcome back or welcome for the first time to Fresh Hop Cinema, a podcast about craft beer and film. My name is Max Minardi, and I'm Johnny Summers. Hi. We are here in Chico, California in the the hot swings of summer in late July. Is that not the right? The dog days of summer. The hot swings. (laughs) We got the
1: hot swings. We're here in
0: the hot snakes of summer in (laughs) mid-July, late July. Um, If you've never heard the show before, we cover craft beer and film, usually... Two craft beers, usually one film. This week's a little bit different. We have a lot of stuff to cover. Um, In total, it's going to be one, two, three, uh, four-ish films, I'm going to say. So buckle in, man. So buckle in. And we got some fun beers. Uh, First of a couple shout-outs to Trevor Maturo. Thank you for donating beers to the show. Very excited to try them. Um, Johnny Summers, where can people find us? On the internet if they want to. At Fresh Hop
1: Cinema on all the social medias. That's your Facebooks, your Twitters, and your Instagrams. You can also look us up on Letterboxd and Untapped for movie and beer reviews. Most importantly, freshhopcinema.com. You can check out all of our episodes, beer reviews, fun stuff there. If you want to support us financially, you can check us out on patreon.com slash FHC. I think they'll both get you there. Ah, You'll find it. It's fine. Yeah. You know how this stuff works if you don't. Look into Patreon. It's, it's simple.
0: Yeah. Little as a dollar a week. Yeah. On that note, uh, Patreon people, uh, those of you that are listening to this and maybe haven't heard the bonus content yet because it's not out, this is a quick reminder. Uh, unless you're listening to it later, you never know when people listen, right? If you're listening to this episode the day it comes out, our bonus content with what I'm about to say is not out yet, whatever. We have an event coming up uh, in August. It's going to be a big thing. Um, so please do come to that. It's August 17th. If you're not on Patreon and you like the idea of don't uh, be divulging secrets of when our events are to the general public. Where we don't even know where it is. No one knows. Uh, if you like, if you like beer, you like cooking food. You like fun uh, movie and beer related trivia. Maybe we're, watching movies. We're not going to let them cook. We're, no, you. They don't get to cook. No, we get to cook for them. Yeah. The point is, if you're into that, check out Patreon.com/slash/FreshHopCinema. Again, for like a dollar a week, you can be part of all of our shenanigans. They are a lot of fun. Plus, we
1: do bonus content every week that's yeah. uh, completely uncensored, and it's a deeper dive into the chaos that is usually my life and some, yeah. sometimes yours. Today but it was. you know what? He's a yeah. good listener, so it's, it's all good. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um,
0: any other stuff we got to take care of?
1: No. Let's start this thing. Let's do this. Let's crank the wheel and kick the starter and uh, slap the baby and, sure.
0: and get this rolling. So then uh, dig into our Fresh up Cinema oh, yeah. ice chest. And uh, we'll pull out this first beer from Trevor Matura. Thanks again. It's a beer called Gumball Head. It sounds like this. It's by Three Floyds Brewing out of Munster, Indiana. Not their first appearance on this show. They've been around. Um, it's a wheat beer. It's 5.6%, 35 IBUs, and Johnny Summers is going to read the description of this beer per their website.
1: That's right. I am. I had to pour some, though. It looks beautiful. Let us see. This is an American wheat ale brewed with white wheat. And dry hopped with hand-selected hops from the Yakima Valley, which is in Washington State, just north of us, if you don't know. Indeed. Uh, Bright and refreshing with a lemony finish. This is Gumball Head by Three Floyds Brewing. Like he said, 5.6% on the ABV, clocking in at 35 IBUs, which are international bitterness units, which means this is not going to be super bitter at all. First thing I notice is the can is friggin amazing. I knew you'd love this can.
0: It's so cool. It's right up your alley. It's so cool. It's uh, It's got lots of pinks and purples and yellow. There are um, sort of almost graffiti-like looking, uh, well, I'm going to say a cat, right? Yeah, it looks like a cat. Yeah, I'm like a cat. that's a graffiti cat. Smoking a cigarette, I think. Probably. Perhaps a marijuana cigarette. Ooh. Uh, with a necklace of a skull with wings. That uh, is Three Floyds logo. Oh, is that right? Yep. Oh, so is it just like at the bottom of the can? I can't tell. No, yep. it's part of him. It's Yeah, they integrated it well. I like it. Uh, have you tried it? Yes.
1: Thoughts? It's nice. It's it's a little bit juicier and fruitier than I thought it was going to be. I've had this beer in the past. I drank it in Nashville when I was at the Craft Brewers Conference a couple years ago or last year, whenever that was. But um, it's really nice and, and refreshing. It's, it's really easy drinking. It's pleasant, um, smooth,
0: mm. very smooth. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, my first thought was wheat beer, more like yeet beer, as they say. You know, the kids, they they say that. I know what that means. Yeet. They say, like, yeet, yeet. Oh, I was just at a birthday
1: party and someone had to explain this to me and they were 12 or 14.
0: Yeah, it's a young kid thing. But I think in my experience, yeet, it's like, I can't say it right. Yeet. Yeet. I'm like, I'm like pronouncing it too much. Yeet. It's a yeet, yeet. Yeah. Like yeet. Uh, I'll have to say, I've never said it in my life, but it is good. I also think the following it is juicy, like you said. It is, uh, it's actually more bitter than I thought. Uh, Maybe it's because I don't usually see the IBU number for a wheat beer. Like, I don't feel like it's often displayed on websites. It's just like, it's a wheat beer, so it's not very bitter. Um, But I think it's really good. It is very refreshing. Um, It's also a little bit heavier in the mouth than I expected. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, it's not the crispest, lightest uh, wheat beer I've ever had. Yeah. Um, It's got some heft. Yeah, it does. But I I really enjoy it. And I think uh, at 5.6%, it's a solid... um, level of alcohol. It's not going to, uh, get you drunk or anything unless you're pounding these. Um, and I think it's a great, great beer for a summer day. Yeah. I like this. It's, it's
1: really well balanced, super drinkable. I would definitely grab a six pack of this and, and, and consume it on a nice Saturday afternoon.
0: Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that I'm learning about, um, how much I appreciate a beer is particularly with how many we drink on the show. I think that with like three or four months after we drink a beer, I could see it in a store and be like, I don't know if I've ever had that. And this one I think I would, A, for the can, probably, and then B, just because it is really delicious, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember this beer. Yeah. It's tasty. It's memorable. Um, I don't think we can get it around here. No. Yeah, okay. Um. So I'm a fan. Yeah,
1: it's really good. I just had a beer that I want to do on the show, but I don't remember if we've done it. Oh, okay. Um, Oscar Blues came out with a beer called Can-O-Bliss. We did not do that on the show. Okay. Well, I can it was, say for sure. I drank it when it originally came out, and it was amazing. This tropical IPA. Mm. Really, really good. Mm-hmm. They just released a, a hazy version of it. Oh, interesting. It's a, 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 a hazy Cannibalist. It's so good. Uh, and I was grabbing singles of them, and the singles were like $1.80 for a 12-ounce can. Wow. So I didn't drink that all day. So sure. That's one that like I thought we had done on the show because I remember I gravitated towards it. No. But I think I just had it at a bar. Yeah. Uh, but that, that beer might be surfacing. I think it's been a while since we've done Oscar Blues.
0: Dude, I think the only Oscar Blues we've done is Death by Coconut. Oh, we have to change. We that. haven't. I know we haven't done Dale's. We. Ha- I don't think we've done Ten 50 which oh, seems wow. crazy because it's my favorite stout. Yeah, we've drank that on the show. You think sure. so, right?
1: I think we've at least drank it while we we're recording. <laughs>
0: That's probably true. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um. But yeah, we might have to do that because it's been a while since we've done an Oscar Blues beer.
0: Yeah, and Let's I make like that. that. Happen.
1: It's a standout. I really like that beer quite a bit. Do you, do you happen to have already
0: have some at home, or are you just gonna be able to get more? I drank them all. All right, but yeah. I'll buy more. Fair enough. It's fine. Oh, well, then let's uh, let's give a rating to Gumball Head from Three Floyds. I really like this beer. I would definitely reach for it again.
1: I love the artwork. It really couples with the deliciousness of the beer. It really matches it. I feel like some cans are way cooler than the beer is. We were just he, Max was drinking a beer that he got in the Bay Area recently,
0: uh, and was saying that like, you know, it's good. But well, yeah, because the- you came in, you're like, oh, that can's so cool, and yeah. I was like, all right, hang on a second. Yeah, like I don't like because. You might've been like, wow, it's so cool. I want one. Mm -hmm. Had I not been like, it's good. It's It's not, it's not as good as the can, but I think with gumball head, the
1: inside matches the outside Yeah, and it's what's on the inside that really counts, but also
0: what's on the outside, but also what's on the outside (laughs) is very important. I I guess true. Like this, this is true for humans. Like if the outside is gross, then you learn to appreciate the inside. You start to appreciate the whole thing, but there's nothing more of a bummer than seeing like a beautiful vessel. And then it's like the inside of you is garbage. Whew. I do a, feel like that happens with people a lot. That's some pretty deep-weighted
1: social commentary from Thresh from, from Hop Cinema right now. What's up, Man.
0: So, so what is... <laughs> it's so true, though. I feel yeah. like
1: we're just shells of people walking around pretending to be delicious right. on the outside right. when we're not delicious on the you inside. Gotta get, you got to get
0: both. If you're going to work on the outside, you best be working on the inside, too, yeah. is all I'm saying. Exactly. So 10, it. you were going to say. Out of ten, this beer is a solid.
1: Uh, I'm gonna give this beer. An, uh, uh oh, this is tough. I just wrote mine.
0: It's gonna be an eight point nine. Eight point nine? Yeah. Why you don't? Why don't you just give it the satisfaction of being a nine? Because it's not a nine. Yeah, I hate when you do that. But well, okay. You know, you score beers how you want, dog. Yep, I know. So for me, it's an eight. Yeah. Yeah. Super with solid. Rookie score. It's with not no a rookie score. Point. It's an easy score to translate across all ratings systems. So I like it. I you do rate it. beers however you want. Yeah. <laughs> I traditionally don't like wheat beers. Uh you know you don't. There's a
1: lot of wheat beers that I don't like.
0: I'm trying to think of like what are the most common wheat beers you think of that that other people might also know? Oh like Blue Moon is a is a pretty universal one. Yeah. Um uh crystal is crystal wheat even a wheat beer from Sierra Nevada? Yeah. All right. It drinks more like a lager to me. Yeah. Or is crystal is, is a wheat beer a lager? I'm sure it is. That's a distinction I'm not quite sure on. All right. What are you uh, looking up? Popular wheat beers. Smart. I mean, what are you thinking about right now in your own brain? Popular wheat uh, beers, you say?
1: Uh, Allagash White is a wheat sure. beer. Uh, Avery's White Rascal is a wheat beer. 21A, Heller High Water.
0: Melon. Yep. yep. Oh, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, a lot of those like uh, adjunct, um, I don't know about adjunct heavy, but adjunct existing type lighter beers tend mm-hmm. to be wheat beers. Yeah. Uh Chokta, that's a wheat beer, right? I think so. It's like an orange wheat beer. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So yeah. Don't like a lot of wheat beers. No. Because well, a lot of them tend to get really Belgian y. They can. They like yeah. have a lot of that Saison kind of yeast in it. But maybe it's not the Belgian
1: or maybe it's not the wheat's fault. Maybe it's the yeast's fault. <laughs> yeast, more like yeet. Yeet? <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know why it's stuck in my head today, but it is. Like seriously, I had to have and it's it's messed up because I was I think I was floating the river and my buddy's daughter Mm. described to me what that word is and she's like but it's cool it's already
0: out what does that mean like Like it's gone you
1: don't need to worry about learning what it means because you're dumb if you say it now shoot i'm like i'm so far removed from young people's culture that like i'm four steps
0: behind we'll just edit out whatever i just said and replace it with whatever the new hip word is um uh i don't know what it is i don't kids listening dreaming about drinking beer uh let us know what you're you're saying and we'll give you free beer yeah all of the none of the children (laughs) listening uh, okay, let's move let's move along, Dave. Gumball Head, Dead. three Floyds. That's a Yeet from Max <laughs> and an 8.9 from me. Yeah. Okay, we're moving into Flick Picks, and we each have one this week. Johnny's is a little bit older than mine, but not so old. It is from 2016, if I am correct. Would you please tell me the name of it? And then I might play a trailer. It is the autopsy of Jane Doe.
1: Not what I was expecting. Can I see one? No, no. What's that for? Make sure he's dead.
0: Sheriff, what happened? No ID,
1: no fingerprints in the system. For now, she's a Jane Doe. He needs my help right now. 11 o'clock, I'm all yours. Subject is in her mid to late 20s. Hair, brown,
0: uh, black, black warning eyes, gray. What happened to you? First, they bound her, then they ripped out her
1: tongue, poisoned her, paralyzed her, forced her to swallow the cloth. What is that? <laughs>
0: All right. Okay. So that was part of the trailer. Are you scared? Yeah, I mean a little bit. Yeah. Um so off the bat, I mean I mean I guess maybe set it up a little bit and I have a couple questions obviously.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this like like Max said, 2018 movie, Autopsy of Jane Doe. Is that right? I'm sorry, 2016.
0: I I I said 16. All
1: right. As IMDb says, I'll read you the brief plot synopsis, and then I'll give you a bit of my own. A father and son, both coroners, are pulled into a complex mystery while attempting to identify the body of a young woman who apparently was harboring very dark secrets. I really like this movie. Uh, It has a really, like, I think, a well-put-together cast. It's a very small cast. There's only like four people listed, Uh, mainly Emile Hirsch. Is it Emile yeah, Miller. Okay. Uh, Brian Cox, which I love. I've seen him in so many things. He's, He's always great. yeah, it, yeah. Uh Olwen Kelly plays our Jane Doe and those are really the only three characters that super matter to sure. this movie. Uh it was one of what did I say vulture.com? Yeah, I think you said vulture. Yeah, a lot of times I'll look at lists of like, you know, 20 best, 50 best, whatever's mm-hmm. like best on streaming. Uh, this was from vulture.com's list of the 50 best horror movies on Netflix right now. And I scrolled through and found something that sounded cool that I hadn't seen. Uh, and there we go. This movie was filled with a lot of suspense. It was a really, really interesting movie to look at because there was a lot of um, light versus dark. Like The contrast was really interesting. They played with a lot of stuff like that. Uh, plus the the practical effects of autopsying a person if that's a word sure i, know. I mean we all know what you mean yeah. yeah is it was uh gristly and like as graphic as you would expect mm-hmm. uh it is really very something crazy to look at but yeah this whole movie was really scary i knew you'd hate it
0: Sure. Yeah, well, I appreciate the heads up.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I really liked it, and we're trying to bring back horror Mondays at my house. Um, yeah, or horror I was, Tuesdays. I was I was thinking about it.
0: You used to do yeah, like horror Mondays was
1: your thing, right? Yeah, but yeah. now we're kind of recording on Mondays, so it might be like a horror hump day. You sure. Know, yeah. Where you watch a scary movie with
0: no pants on. Sure. Whatever happens, happens. So have you heard of scary stories to tell in the dark? Yes. There's uh, a reboot coming There's out. a reboot coming. It's like an old, it's a book, right? Or was it is it? a book. Okay. It's a book of tiny mini stories that are terrifying. Yeah. Basically. I owned the book as a child because my parents were not smart. Sure. So you know about the reboot. Have you heard of a film in 2010 called Troll Hunter? Yes. It looks like this. Uh, the, uh, mm-hmm. the poster. Have you seen it? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. What I find interesting is is Troll Hunter is a apparently renowned what looks like a B movie to me. People love it. Um and it was directed by Andre Overdahl, who mm-hmm. did this film. Okay. He's a Norwegian director. And again, Troll Hunter was in twenty ten, and it doesn't seem like it got a whole lot of credit in the mainstream. Hmm. Um cult classic type situation. I think so. And then he did this in two thousand sixteen and now is slated to work on uh Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. With Guillermo del Toro. Oh, was that right?
1: Very well-known okay. director. Uh, yeah, I am in a lot of like Twitter, like not Twitter, yeah. but like I I get news about. You're a Reddit kind of, guy. I also, am a Reddit guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get information about movies, and uh, I saw Guillermo del Toro's name pop up, nice. and I've been a huge fan of his work for a long time. Not super super familiar with the director of this film, right? Uh, but seeing what he did with this, and I will definitely watch Troll Hunter, knowing that yeah. that he did that. Uh, it gives me great hope for scary stories to tell in the dark.
0: Well, yeah. What it makes me think of is like troll hunter. If you, if anybody feels like looking up the poster for it, it's very, um, it's very uh, 80s. It's very 80s. It's very, it looks very B movie, which can be very good movies, obviously. Um, but it looks like a cheesy kind of monster horror flick. And hearing you talk about this movie, it seems like it's much more of an actual scary, visceral horror experience. Yes. Um, and then clearly Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark has, has all sorts of interwoven threads of horror and suspense and thrills and whatever. Yeah. Um, so I'd be curious to know this guy's trajectory from where he started to where he is now. But um watching this movie when you did, was it was it the takeaway mostly just like, wow, that was scary, or was there more to it? Was it was it a horror movie that approached more like societal issues or interpersonal relationships, or was it just like here's here's an autopsy with some crazy twists?
1: It was a relationship with the uh the the father and son. Oh, okay. that, that was kind of the the running plot of that was because they're a father and son that own a mortuary mm-hmm. where they actually you know prepare bodies for funerals but they also do autopsies for what seems to be a very small sheriff's department in in their their Tiny, fun- funeral home yeah right I think they have like eight drawers for bodies like one two three four maybe six right for the you know okay. the big cooler doors the yeah. you know, what are they morgue looking things yeah. where you slide them in and out yeah um, but that was kind of the running theme was their relationship and the dynamics of it. And, uh, there's undertones of, you know, loss. They were dealing with the loss of a mother and it, sure. there's, they touch on things like life and death and, and dealing with it, obviously in their profession, that's something that has to be dealt with. Yeah. Uh, also it, it gets into a little bit of the supernatural and I won't go any further than that to avoid spoilers. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it has interesting themes in it and it was also scary. It wasn't your traditional jump scares, it was way more of a thriller suspense type situation with some really nice visuals. And there was a couple jump scares, but they were well done. It wasn't campy or cheesy. That's good. Uh, there yeah. is a twist at the end, and it was not unexpected, but it wasn't
0: um, exactly what you thought it was going like to be. To say you were definitely expecting a twist, but this isn't necessarily exactly well, what you were yeah, predicting. so the whole kind of
1: oh, – I'll just front load the movie. The first – Part of this movie is them on top seeing this this girl, this unidentified girl, which they call a Jane Doe or a John Doe for males. uh, And there's zero signs of cause of death on the outside of her body. Right. There's always some sort of physical trauma somewhere to indicate what the cause of death was. Unless it's like poison. Unless it's like poison. And then you find it internally. But even then, there's either going to be like vomit or blood or like there's something externally that indicates poison. There's even sometimes like residue on the lips, stuff like that. Um, So, this the whole front half of this movie is them like autopsying this Jane Doe. Nothing wrong with her on the outside, but like her wrists and ankles are shattered. (laughs) Like, there's all kinds of things wrong with her. And I won't go into it anymore, but like they're inexplicable. They're starting to think, like, this is not normal. And then things just kind of snowball from there. So, yeah. Watch it. I really liked it. It was entertaining. It wasn't too long. It was like eighty six minutes. Okay. It was uh, a really nice digestible nugget of yeah. of uh, autopsy fueled horror cheese.
0: Sure. So like Brian Cox, you mentioned liking a lot of his work. I mean, he's been he's an older dude. He's uh, uh, he was born in nineteen forty six, so he's been a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, played a whole bunch of different characters. Obviously, Emile Hirsch on the other hand, uh, younger dude. And here's some of his filmography: Into the Wild, which is a fantastic movie. Uh, Milk. He is going to be in the uh, next Quentin Tarantino movie we're covering next week. Um, he was in Lone Survivor, Killer Joe, which is kind of a horror movie, but it's not. It's like a weird thriller comedy thing. Uh, he was in The Girl Next Door. Tons of these things. Lords of oh, Dogtown. Yeah. But he's never, that I can tell, been in a horror movie. I'm wondering how that played. He's usually like either like a quirky romantic lead or like a troubled youth. How did it work? He was pretty good. Some
1: of his uh, emotional depth wasn't quite there yet. Interesting. But uh, yeah, like a lot, some of his acting was just the tiniest bit flat, but that's kind of a nitpick um, because it could have just been the character that he was playing. But some of the character's reactions were a bit less emotional and uh, uh, expositive. Yeah, sure. As I would have liked, you would think he would have
0: reacted a bit more heavily to things going on. I would really love for you just to use that exact same sentence in like 45 minutes. No. Talking about somebody. No,
1: that's not going to (laughs) happen.
0: Okay. Uh, well yeah, okay. So recommend this movie or no? Yes, I already said that. Where can people watch it? Netflix. Only Netflix as far as we know? Uh, I don't know. But
1: as I said before, I was reading the Vulture article, 50 best movies, horror movie streaming on Netflix. It's also on
0: Prime Video. Boom. But you can't watch that. I can't watch that. No. No, not yet. So, Uh, Again, that's the autopsy of Jane Doe. Oh, yeah. We didn't record all that whole conversation
1: about Amazon.
0: So check it out if you like. Derp. Uh, yeah, what's your flick pick, dog? Right, so I watched a movie that came out earlier this year Earlier in 2019 Me too It was called Triple Frontier mm-hmm. uh, It was directed by J.C. Chandor It stars Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, Garrett Hedlund, Charlie Hunnam uh, Which is very confusing Because those guys in the past I have mixed up as being the same person <laughs> uh, And in this movie they are brothers So I felt vindicated a little bit uh, And also Pedro Pascal's in this is on Netflix um, And here's a little bit of a trailer for it uh, To give you an idea of what it is about First things first. Any man here that wants to walk away can do so knowing they're the best of us. It's got to be now. There is no ground support. The
1: injuries we sustain,
0: we're walking out with. Okay, we don't really need to hear more, I don't think. You get the idea. (laughs) That's it. Uh, You and I have both seen this. Um, Well, you've seen part of it. I watched... I don't know, a good three quarters of it. So listen, I started this last night at 11 p.m. because I was scrolling through Netflix and I was like, I need something that I can tune out basically um, that is probably going to be an inconsequential movie. And then the credits start in the beginning, the the beginning credits, and I see Catherine Bigelow's name as a producer. Who She did the Hurt Locker. And then I see all these people's names in the cast and I'm like, this, this might be really, really good. Um, spoiler alert here, it was not, uh, in my opinion, that great. I share that opinion. Okay. Um, so I wrote down in my notes, I wrote, uh, in quotes, dad porn. Um, and, and Please extrapolate. Well, like, it's one of those movies where it's, like, very machismo. Like, all these guys, like, they say things like, um, like, uh, like, we're not in, we're not in, this isn't a long way from Bangladesh, boys. Or, like, let's keep these gun barrels hotter than those women we had sex with last month. That's like, a direct quote like, <laughs> from the movie, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. And, and like, there's just, this so much of this, like just like oozing testosterone out of this movie. And none of it is good for me. Like it does isn't land ever. Um, yeah. I think oozing testosterone can be okay. It can be like if you take a movie like Lone Survivor, which we just mentioned a second ago, or, um, or like the Hurt Locker is a great one. Like, like I feel like military movies can sometimes run the gamut of being like really, really affecting and good and deal with, actual problems or sometimes just be like, let's blow shit up. There's a America.
1: sliding scale. Yeah. Between movies like the hurt
0: locker and movies like the expendables, which is what I was going to say. Expendables at least is like, it knows what it, it is knows exactly what it is. Yeah. And my problem with this is like, you cast these A-list actors. Um, and then like they, they sort of, so really quickly the premise is like, all these guys are ex military. They are disenfranchised by their communities and the government. They can't afford to pay their bills, whatever they're scraping by. And then Oscar Isaac is like, yo, one more job kind of thing uh government doesn't know we're doing just this on our own when, just well, yeah. when i
1: thought i was out
0: yeah we got to take and there is pull that guy ben affleck in. is that guy like i'm out i'm i'm a real estate agent i've got my life They well, pull me back pull me back in, in. um we're gonna, so oscar isaac is like we're going to go kill this cartel guy he's super rich and he's a bad dude so let's go kill him everybody's like okay fine and they do stuff happens and that could be a fine movie by itself. There's some cool sequences and I don't know where they shot it, but it's, some of it looks really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, there's some well choreographed military style breach scenes that I enjoy. Um, there's some big explosions. There was a plane crash. There was a helicopter crash and and a plane crash. I think, um, lots of stuff crashed. Yeah. Um, but the problem is like at some point this movie tries to reckon with the idea of killing people. Yeah. Um, like killing bad guys, but are they bad guys or are they just children that are, and then like, it doesn't ever work. Like something happens in this movie where we are forced to be like, oh no, uh, I don't, I don't really care. Here's a minor spoiler, I guess. A, one of the good guys dies and then everybody's like, oh no, that is what killing is. We should stop killing people. And then they have to try to get away with all this money and it's fine. It's a movie that exists. And I just, I, I wanted to say that I watched it. <laughs> I have a couple questions. Yeah. Did you not have time to see any other movies? Well, I mean, we, we're covering a bunch this week, man. Um, so I, know. I literally, like, <laughs> last night saying. I was like, let's try to get a flick pick in. And it was a new movie. It came out this year. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really know much about this. And like I said, I went in thinking this could be really good. And then I got, like, three quarters of the way through. And I'm like, well, I should just finish it so I could say something. I respect you because you at least finished it. Yeah. And you wanted to have something to talk about.
1: Sure. So the short answer is no. We did, uh, you didn't have time to watch another movie. That's no. fine because I have watched... Yeah, literally the two movies we're talking about, and my flake pick this mm-hmm. week. So that, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Like you roll the dice. This but, is yeah. the movie I'm talking about.
0: But I think it's easy, like especially in a streaming type mentality, to be like five minutes, like Nah, I'm done. Yeah, I started that movie being like, All right, I'm gonna watch this as if I just bought a ticket to the theater. I'm just gonna get through it. I'm gonna watch it. If it's bad, it's bad, and I'll talk about it the same either way. All, all right, give it its fair shot. So, um, was it worth watching? Um, No, I
1: okay. don't
0: think. I think it was a movie that uh, makes all of these actors look worse. Any outstanding roles? Well, <laughs> or scenes? No, man. And okay. and I want to point that Garrett Headland, by the way, I would he's got like he's got maybe like 15 lines through the whole movie, which is not not many. a ton, but it's also not a little because there's like five A-list actors here. But over half of them ends with boys. It's like, <laughs> this is why we came out here, boys, or like and some of them are like back to back within minutes in the same sequence. It's like, how many times are you gonna say boys? Was he the one that's a cage fighter? Uh, yeah, mm. yes. Uh, it's just like everybody's a caricature. And if you look at the list of people that were slated or, like, approached for this movie, like, I can't think of all of them right now, but I know Will Smith was one of them. Tom Hanks was one of them. Jesus. Um, and all of these really seasoned actors were like, no. So this
1: movie is kind of the embodiment of why some movies just are Netflix originals and not actually released to the big screen. There's there's a chance of that for sure. I yeah. would, I would mm-hmm. bet. A hefty sack of nickels. Yes, that this movie just didn't have
0: the hutzpah to make it to the yeah, big screen. Like it's so weird. There's like one scene where they're trying to get this money out of the house. Oh god! And they've got yep. so much money. And then Ben Affleck just because like he has money problems at home. And that's his whole backstory. And then he's like clawing at a wall with a knife. And he's like, just just a couple more loads, guys. Come on, get that. And everybody's like, dude, we got to go. He's like, just a few more bags. We need it. And it's like, what are you doing, man? Uh, just like so no human being that is apparently like an expert in reconnaissance and like a no, no dumb. That's what we call trying to act. Yeah, I don't know. I missed the part of uh, his career where he was good. I think at one point Ben Affleck was like handsome and charming and a good actor. Goodwill hunting. Hunting? Uh, I don't think he was in that. You're thinking of maybe Robin Williams or Matt Damon. He was Matt Damon's best friend. Was he? Yeah. Oh, I see. I don't remember him in that.
1: There you go. He was not memorable, but he's just Batfleck now. Not anymore, though. That's true. Not anymore. He was Batfleck. Yeah. Wait. Now is he still going to be Batman? No. Uh, Robert Pattinson is going to be Batman. But is that like a standalone movie? I don't know. Well, because wasn't Christian? No, Christian Bale wasn't Batman the same time. No. That the DC, the the Justice League. Mm-mm. So they like defined the eras and transitioned to a new Batman. Mm-hmm. So they're doing the same. The-
0: Wait, who, right? Who was Batman like back in the '90s? Oh, so we've had—I um, mean, there've been a ton. Obviously, we've had Michael
1: Keaton. Yeah, we've had Val Kilmer. Yeah, we've had George Clooney. I'm thinking of George Clooney. Yeah, okay, we get them mixed up. Yep, from
0: like the Ocean's movies. Is he even on? Was he in that? Ben Affleck in what? Any of the Ocean's movies? What is he yeah. Ben in? <laughs> Probably. What is he Ben Affleck in? What? What the Ben Affleck you've been Argo? in? Argo. Yeah, Good Will Hunting. Good call. Um, the Town, which is fine. I don't know, man. I don't get it. Well, but I don't have
1: to, you know? Well, this is just another in a long string of failures from young Mr. Affleck. So that's Max's flick pick. That's Triple Frontier. Don't watch it. Apparently, it's garbage of the hottest variety. It's not a one for me, but it's it's a, it's a a out of five, it's a two. I don't know what that means, but uh, someone out there is good at math, and they yep. should
0: average that out. In the meantime, should we take a quick break? That sounds good. When we come back, we'll talk about The Last Black Man in San Francisco. It's a film that we saw at the pageant here in Chico. It's an indie film. um, And I think it has some fascinating backstory, and we'll get into our feelings about it. Um, A little different layout here in the show. We are covering The Lion King a little bit later. So we're going to probably get into some spoiler talk for The Last Black Man in San Francisco during this next segment, but we'll give you one more heads up before we do. Um, We're going to grab maybe another sipper because I need another beer. All right, let's go
1: grab a beer. We'll be right back, guys. Well, if you don't have time to drive to San Francisco for a beer, there's a great local option here in Chico, California. It's the Handlebar. They've got an amazing happy hour, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. You get a dollar off any draft beers.
0: They've also got a great food menu, full cocktails, a patio. It's everything you could want. It's a great time. The Handlebar is located at 2070 East 20th Street, just by the mall, by Best Buy, by Huynco. You can go check it out. It's a great restaurant. They support this podcast. We support them. I had lunch there a couple days ago. They are fantastic. Again, handlebar right here in Chico, 2070 East 20th Street. We built these ships, dredged these canals. In the San Francisco they never knew existed. Is our home. You two stick together. I always come back to the old house. What if it's empty? What if we just peeked inside? We get their parties. Put on one of your plays, we can
1: yell. <laughs> Who, should be here? Who should be here more? Some millionaire? If you leave, it's not your loss. It's San Francisco.
0: I don't know how much longer we can keep doing this, but I'm not leaving the last one left
1: i'm with you bro (laughs) that was a trailer for the last black man in san francisco directed by joe talbot written by joe talbot and jimmy fails Jimmy Fails dreams of reclaiming the Victorian home his grandfather built in the heart of San Francisco. Joined on his quest by his best friend, Mont, Jimmy searches for belonging in a rapidly changing city that seems to have left him behind. As he struggles to reconnect with his family and reconstruct the community he longs for, his hopes blind him to a reality
0: of his situation. A wistful odyssey populated by skaters, squatters, street preachers, playwrights, and other locals... In the margins the last black man in san francisco is a poignant and sweeping story of hometowns and how they're made kept alive by the people who love them boom so this is a movie starring jimmy fails he plays himself this is a true story written partially by him and by director joe talbot telling the story of jimmy's upbringing it also stars jonathan majors as his friend mont uh, or montgomery allen danny glover is in this as mont's grandpa grandpa allen um, Tachina Arnold plays Aunt Wanda in this Rob Morgan plays uh, Jimmy's dad James uh, or Jimmy Sr uh, Mike Epps makes a cameo in this as Bobby and the other person I want to mention is Jamal Trulove who plays a character named Kofi uh, this is a an independent film if you haven't heard of it we're not blaming you it hasn't gotten super widely distributed in, in these here American states um, it did come out on June 7th uh, in limited release and as of July 22nd it's made 3.8 million dollars I think it just came to Chico for the first time this week. I don't think it's made any type of limited pass yet. Correct. Uh, It's rated R. It runs two hours long. It was distributed by one of our favorites, A24. In fact, I think the only time we ever mention who it's distributed by is when it's A24 on this show. Um, Johnny and I, you and I did not see this together. We did not. Um, But what did you think of it? And how was your screening in general? So my screening was nice. It was
1: uh, full, not quite completely full. There was sparsely empty seats, but it was a good crowd. A couple of people walked out, which I mentioned to you earlier, which was kind of weird. It was really weird. Uh, I'm not sure if maybe they just weren't feeling well or whatever, but it was like two separate occasions. Mm -hmm. Um, But that being said, it was an enjoyable experience. Everyone was nice and quiet. Um, My my overall thoughts were this was a beautifully put together movie with some amazing cinematography and really interesting character work uh, and a lack of Just guided exposition, which Mm. really lends itself to the storytelling style. Eugene was
0: missing that. Yes. Okay.
1: There was just, here's this thing that this guy's doing. You figure out why. Which I like. Uh, It didn't hold your hand. Uh, There was some interesting characters. There was some some interesting scenes a lot of really pretty scenes of San Francisco um, i've read about this film as as an homage to the city as much as anything which i think is is always kind of cool when movies do that they really just pay homage to where they're they're set because did this
0: make you think of any movie in particular
1: yeah it kind of reminded me of um, blind spot with yep. oakland mm-hmm probably just cuz of the proximity the bay area oh, sure. and like with this movie like i've i've walked a lot of the streets that they filmed down like skateboarding like i rec- i've stayed at some of the hotels that he skated by so like just stuff like that is really cool and also uh, my parents lived in san francisco before i was born so uh, a big part of my heritage kind of lived there for a long yeah. time but back to this movie wise um my only real complaint with this movie is it did seem to get a bit long winded uh other than that, I really liked what this movie had to say about, you know, hometowns, about needing to belong, about all the issues that it brings up. I think it really spoke to them pretty eloquently, except for it just got a little long in the tooth for me. Um, but if that's your only complaint, it's it's doing a great job. So sure. Overall, I, I like this movie quite a bit. Um it was a good experience watching it, and I would I would probably recommend it. So, yeah, yeah
0: I think I liked it a lot. I, I like it a lot. Love it. Um, did you find that like your experience in San Francisco really affected your viewing of this in a lot of ways, or just more like a passing thought? Like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. That's cool.
1: Yeah, I think it did because I've spent a lot of time there both in my youth as and as an adult mm-hmm. and just having a connection with the city myself. Right. Definitely, you know, I empathized. I, I put myself in that situation and I, I can, it's easier to feel strongly about a movie when you can put yourself on the same streets that it's right. being filmed in. So I think that did have a factor to a certain degree. Yeah.
0: I think it said it in the trailer, but just to be clear, so like this, Jimmy's whole thing is that this house he grew up in is uh, not where he lives anymore and he's kind of had a rough life in terms of finding a place to live and he's been, renovating this house cause it means something to him. And I think that's such a prevalent theme in this movie, like places having meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm curious to see like how this movie is going to play or is been playing in the Bay area. Like there's such a strong sense of what it is. Like it feels at times, not specifically San Francisco, but definitely Bay area. Like you were saying, like, um, so I can only imagine like having that tie to that area. It's gotta be so powerful. Yeah. Um, so my viewing was very, very packed. I saw of at the pageant again, like, um, like I said, and it was just like to the point where I showed up kind of like, because I skateboarded there, which was a nice touch. I felt totally. very in tune with that movie. No kidding. Um, so yeah, I took my little shortboard and, and got there, but I got there maybe six minutes before it started. So just like enough time for the pageant. But the line was out the door, and, and I think it was Miles, the owner that was there and was like, There's no more seats together. And I didn't hear it together. I was like, There's no more seats. No, I have to see this for the the podcast. And I didn't know what I was gonna do. But like, Miles, let me in. Do you know me? You don't know me. Okay, but I like this. I'll stand in the back. Um, so there was one seat, and I sat in the back next to Kind of a chatty lady who was very funny because she's her mom was behind her and at one point she shushed her mom. I didn't know it was her mom at the time I was like, All oh, right, this lady gets it and then she leans over and she goes, That she uh she had some accents so I couldn't quite understand it. But I think she was saying, My mother likes to talk a lot during the movies, um, so I have to shush her and I was like I get that. Respect. So then she was like weirdly commentating to me at moments throughout the movie. <laughs> and I had to like stop engaging with her because I realized it was fueling the fire. Uh, shy of that though. Very enjoyable experience. Kind of. Well, now that I say that there was a lady behind me that like tapped me on the shoulder and goes, can you like, can you scoot to the, I don't mean to bother you. Can you scoot to the left a little bit? Cause I can't see anything with way." So I spent, if you can see me whole movie like this, just, like just leaned and scrunched, scratched. just like yeah. But yeah, my back hurt by the time I got up, but whatever. I really love this movie. Um, I think everything you're saying is true. The cinematography is gorgeous. Um, there's a couple of really great scenes of like him Jimmy skating the hills of San Francisco from really far away, and it's just beautiful, beautiful shots throughout. Um, the soundtrack by Emil Maseri, I think is how you say his name, is great. Um, not all of it is as vocal as the uh, bit we heard during the trailer, but there's like these really weird um, choices for instruments. There's like some weird synth stuff, but also strings and. Um, I was trying, sometimes I do a thing where I'll look up, like I'll try to find people's reviews because I have thoughts and I want to see if somebody else can help me get those thoughts a little bit more eloquently put. And I have a take on this movie that I have not been able to find on the internet, but I still stand by it. Well, let's hear it. Well, I think ultimately this is, yes, a movie about this guy's relationship to his house. Um, Before that, I think it's a movie about him and his friendship with Montgomery. And before that, I think it's a movie about loneliness. I think this can be read very cynically and very sad Mm -hmm. Um, in in that it's like it's always searching for this home. It's like he's not had a great upbringing with his family, um, absentee mother, not a great relationship with his dad. Um, And this this house, for whatever reason, is the one thing he's clung to. Um, Despite being surrounded by enough people that really care about him, it's always like, no, the house is this is it for me. Like, this is what I have to do. the cameo by Mike Epps, there's a scene where he's, his character's name is Bobby has um, bought, stolen, <laughs> he says borrowed, uh, Jimmy's old car and is living in it. Which Jimmy used to live in. I think yeah, it's important right, to mention. Right. So, yeah, Jimmy, again, like not having a ton of places to live. But now Bobby is like living in the car. And at one point, Bobby's giving Jimmy some crap. And he's like, you, you you're always lonely or whatever. And he's like, dude, you live in a car by yourself. And he's like, yeah, but people like me. Um, And then there's a scene later on in the movie with with Bobby, you know, what I'm talking about Uh, he's out kind of in the car. Mm -hmm. It's just him. And I think that uh, without spoiling it now, obviously, like really kind of sums up the themes of this movie about loneliness and like what it means to be loved or what love even is or or what you need to have love.
1: Exactly. And uh, and part of that kind of to tie it all in is identity. Yeah. yeah, and a big part of this character identifies as you know the house is his identity, right? Totally, it's what he's clung to, and it makes him feel not alone. And also, yeah. like there was some issues brought up about like abuse and stuff, sure. and like the, he had a secret room he could hide oh, in. Oh, God. House. I love how
0: they peppered that in. Yeah, at one point he's like, "Yeah, I was. This is the room I went to. When my dad was. He said I think doing his thing. Yeah, or which we're all up like, or like or is like yeah, like beating somebody or drunk or like on drugs. Yeah, because right, they mentioned
1: sure. a couple times about his, you know, dad smoking up all the
0: furniture. Oh. That's, oh, yeah. Yep. Selling it that for is drugs, what it is, bro. bro. Yep. Good yep. call. Um, so, yeah. I really loved Monte. I did, too. I think it's just Mont.
1: Mont. Mont, right? Mont, Mont Montgomery. Montgomery. Mont. I think they called him Monte at some point. Yeah, but, maybe. I don't know. Mont. Dude, I think
0: this movie was about him, too. I do, like, too.
1: I, as much
0: Jimmy yes. as him. If Yeah, if not more he, Montgomery. Like, yeah. what a what a great guy. Every But not everybody deserves a Montgomery in their I life. I know, right? But you should all experience one. I would love to. I don't know what I've never met a Montgomery in my whole life, but I want one. Right. Uh, I don't that, love that phrasing. Yeah. Sorry. I, I want somebody <laughs> in my life that cares that much about everything that, that he does. He feels everything so, so deep. much. And I think we should talk a little bit about the group of five dudes. Um, Just that is a chilling on the corner. Yeah. I was thinking about it. And like this moment I saw them, there's this group of five dudes that uh, are not great to each other. They are always like insulting each other and like almost fighting and whatever. Um, it reminds me a lot of, um, I think it's called a chorus in, in, uh, Greek theater. Okay. It's sort of like this, uh, bridged gap. It's like almost like a soliloquy to the audience, but it's this like subdivision of people usually wearing masks, traditional of uh, Greek theater that would like sort of kind of guide the audience along mm. what's happening. So instead of having to have a character be like, and then I felt pain, like the chorus would sort of would tell you what's going on. Mm. Um, and, in this movie, there's like this constant like, um, force, I guess I'll stay with for now. Um, that have some serious impacts in the storyline. Um, and I think they do a really good job. Like there's one scene in particular where Mont is, he's a playwright. He writes plays. That's important here. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's about to be a fight and he walks over and like, just pretends like they're in a play. Yeah. (laughs) He's a weird dude. Yeah. Um, he's an eccentric and they are very confused. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but he starts directing them like they're actors in a play which is so funny because it seems like they are actually in a play. If you think about it in the context of like Greek theater, mm-hmm. um, classic Greek theater. And it's like, I don't know. There's, I feel like there's a lot of layers to this movie. I, I saw it yesterday. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm still working on it.
1: There are a lot of layers and also a lot of influence. Did you pick up any like Wes Anderson
0: vibes? I this? did some of those long shots. with right? like it, it, Yeah, dude. and um, just the way
1: the scenes, not just the, the long shots, but the isolation, like mm. Wes Anderson movies, you're like, You'll flash to a face. Oh, totally. You know what I mean? Just the, And it just, it, it seemed like he was influenced by that. Like whoever sure. made those decisions, I don't yeah. know how movie making works as sure. much as you do. Whoever made those decisions and like guided the direction of this, I imagine that's the director. I, I'm sure it's partial. I mean, um, but, but yeah. There was some huge Wes Anderson influence and like the the long shots, like you said, and mm-hmm. big wide shots too. Yeah. Because we go from like the macro yeah. Where like the cities in the background to these micro shots of just one person's face. Every or just, emotion is just oh, like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a movie that deserves a second watch for, for sure. sure.
0: Well, so like um, normally I think it probably would be the director and the cinematographer. But here it's like, uh, I don't know if you know this. This movie was originally probably not going to be made. It was, it was um, Jimmy Fails and, and Joe Talbot. And they'd worked together in the past on some mini movies. Mm. And I can't remember what year it was, but they put out like a concept trailer for this movie. And it was basically like Jimmy skating around San Francisco and doing some other stuff. And then they put it online. There was like, here's, this is a, this is an idea. And so many people reached out to them. Like you guys have to make this movie. It's so, it it resonates so strongly with what I feel, Hmm. um, to the point where they got so many people on board. It was to, um, I can't think of the, the, uh, I think it's B side. B side is one of the, um, production agencies. And then they passed it along to a 24 and then it went to Sundance. And then people are like, this is great. Nice. um, but the other thing that it reminded me of, especially those close up shots, was like a Spike Lee thing. And the only Spike Lee I've seen is um, uh, Black Klansman. Okay. But there's those scenes early on in the movie where it's just like a close up shot of somebody's face. And there's a scene on a bus with Jimmy and his mom. Mm. And it reminded me so much of that. And, oh, yeah. And I've heard comparisons between other Spike Lee films, but I, I don't know them because I haven't seen them. But we should delve more into his. I his would back love catalog. to. Yeah. Um, I've heard he's a pretty important filmmaker. Oh, for sure. And the fact (laughs) that he's still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. great. Um, so what, what,
1: what stood out for this movie? Any, any overarching, like, I mean, obviously we've talked about the two main characters. They were amazing.
0: Like, I think thematically is where this movie matters the most. And it's that it's this idea that it's kind it's constantly pushing back against the idea that a place it matters, right? Like Jimmy's whole thing is like, no, this is my home. People, it's doesn't, everybody's abandoned me essentially. Like this is, this is what I have to hold on to. Mm -hmm. And and then maybe, maybe now's a good time since we're doing the show a little bit differently. Can we get into spoilers here a little bit? Okay. Spoiler alert. Last black man in San Francisco. Dive in. Yes. Okay. So there's the play scene at the end and the play brings in everybody to this attic of the house and it's everybody essentially that we've seen throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like a direct counter argument to the idea that the house matters because Mon's perspective is like people matter. Like you can come live with me and Grandpa. Like we care about you. Mm-hmm. And so by the end, it's like all these people have shown up, and it's all the people that have influenced, as far as we can tell, or as far as our perspective is concerned, what San Francisco is to Jimmy. It's the preacher on the box. It's the weird naked dude that he didn't show up. Uh, but it's like the whole the the chorus of dudes out there. Like minus one, minus one, which is also f- nah. That's too early in the show. No, we're in the danger zone. Yeah. Are we? Yeah. No, we're not. It's fine. We are. <laughs> but okay. Um, gosh, that section was so intense, man. Like, I love that scene. It's a great example of close-ups in this movie. That was. We find out Kofi has died. Yep. And then, I- instead of doing what they've done the entire movie, which is like, you want to fight? Let's go. Like, well, just talk shit. Yeah. There's just like this moment where you see the—I uh, can't think of the actor's name—but his eyes are like starting to kind of gloss over, and then instead of punching, he just breaks down, and every—I I, was—I started losing it at that oh, point. Yeah. Like, that was a great ugh. scene. Um, So those guys show up and it's just this theater scene at the very end, this sort of like Mont's masterpiece as far as we're concerned is like realizing what love or what San Francisco or what this house is even about. And I think that whole final scene, it's not even the final scene, but the whole kind of climax is so powerful. Um, And the lighting in that, there's so many great shots here. Like They've captured this moment of like dawn or dusk. I can't really tell. It's like this golden glow of just warm sweater love that's Mm -hmm. just wrapping you up. That scene, I there's just, it. there's a cut scene of of Jimmy. There's there's
1: scenes that stick out to me for this sure. movie, and there's one in particular of Jimmy smoking a cigarette at the top of a spire, uh, and there's oh, a little, yeah, yeah. just a tiny little balcony, and it's like the the photographers call it the golden hour. Yeah, that, and it's of just like that dusky, mm-hmm. just where the lighting is. It's just. so good, and the way that they film that, and the fact that they didn't do any more exposition but just had this scene be its own thing. Um, I think the thing that I appreciate most about this movie is how gracefully it crossed the bridge between a movie and a piece of art. Right. I mean, it, the, yeah, it, it walked across that bridge with such grace and such ease mm-hmm. that it just felt right.
0: Like There's, it felt perfect. Yeah. There's not a wasted shot in this movie. I, I remember thinking the first, um, before I got sucked into the story, like just kind of watching it. Yeah. Um, getting adapted to it and everything but like the first 20 minutes it was like every single frame could have been a a painting mm-hmm. or a photograph or something it was it was so immaculately conceived there was like this is exa- they know exactly where the light was going to be where they wanted the characters to be and there was this crazy use Ugh. of of slow motion oh i forgot about the just slow motion just peppered in so slow though right
1: and they didn't overuse it that no. was the thing that was nice it was just right. it was peppered in to give significance to certain times but it wasn't overused and it was so poignant like yeah. you felt it you're just like oof this is like walking through
0: like with time frozen it's because it, it's like if you're not paying attention you might be like okay that's a still shot yeah but it's it's like it reminds me of a. Uh, it didn't at the time but the only other time i can think of having seen this done is like in logan mm. where where charles xavier has a, like mental freak out and like wolverine's like coming through but like everybody else is like it was so slow. Yeah. But it really makes you appreciate like what they chose to shoot for those moments. Um, and it was mostly people's faces. And just people being people in San yeah. Francisco. It was so yes. good. Yes. Yep. It's like this weird artistic montage of, I think, because it was mostly early on, right? There was a little... It was peppered in. They, yeah, okay. they
1: used some slow-mo with mon, Mont... Yeah. Um, like just sitting, looking at buildings,
0: looking yeah. at the house. Yeah, So it was... Throughout majority of it was used at the beginning, but yeah. it was sprinkled in. It's so good for establishing clearly like what the filmmaker wants us to feel about San Francisco. Yeah. And it was so powerful because we've talked in the past on the show, like slow-mo can easily be overdone and done or wrong. ineffective. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was perfectly done here. Yeah. Um, we got to rate this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we could
1: talk about this movie for probably forever. the next two hours. Uh, yeah. I yeah. think the, the too long didn't read is that we both really liked it yep. and you should see it. Yes. And we're really lucky to have a place like the pageant theater that shows movies. Absolutely. Like this and Chico.
0: The, the last thing I want to touch on before we move on from this is like, so the ending basically just again spoiler here, I guess we've been spoiling stuff, but, um, Jimmy ends up leaving instead of staying with Mont. He doesn't really even say goodbye. He writes a note and says, I'm sorry. I couldn't say goodbye properly thank you for being my best friend. Um, Like really ties the bow on this. Like he's had people, he's had the home that was then taken away. Cause he realized it wasn't what he thought it was. Um, And goes and just sails into the, or rows into the, you know, the bay. sunset. It was yeah, in, the bay. It was in yeah. the bay. He was, was last remember, God, that was a great shot. Too. Yeah. The last scene was him rowing basically underneath the golden gate bridge. That was the slow-mo there. That water. Yep. Oof. So great. Beautiful. Um, But I think that's, if I wanted to, Book and my reading of this is like a cynical, it doesn't even have to be cynical, but like isolation is kind of a lonely movie. I think that really kind of puts the nail on the coffin. Like no matter what he is destined for being alone, mm-hmm. which is like back to the, uh, the Mike Epps character, Bobby, like he's bragging about how like people like him and he's happy. And then that last scene we get of him is like him alone in his car at night. There's gunshots in the background and like pulls a little curtain closed on his car and then goes to sleep. Yeah. Like it could be so tragic. Uh, yeah, it was ugh. a really um,
1: pointed and poignant, like social commentary, right, but like, also yeah. on loneliness. And we haven't it was, even talked about
0: gentrification, which is a huge uh, part of this. No, or like the black perspective of this whole thing, ugh, and like, so much. Yeah, oh,
1: but I love it though. I mean, I was just having a conversation not that long ago about how there's some amazing art being created by black filmmakers, and it's important that we support that because it's an amazing point of yeah. view and like. It's just, it's really cool. This movie overall was amazing and I cannot wait to rewatch it. I'm Same. probably going to buy this. Yep, for sure. This is one of those ones. Um, I think too, this would be a really good one to get people into more art yep. type films. Yep. Just because like I said before, it does cross that bridge so gracefully between mm-hmm. just movie to film to art. Yep. You know, cause it's, for me, I think for you too, there's such a big difference between a movie and a film. Like yeah, when I'm stick when around
0: I'm, to our list at the very end of the show when we get into the top ten openings of all time in top the top ten movies. God. Not films. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. But yeah. I think even like in when we write our reviews on yeah. Letterboxd and stuff, like I personally know that I'm particular with the verbiage that I use. Like oh uh, yeah, it changes. The your whole Lego vocabulary. movie was yeah. awesome. Yes. Um, you know, but this film, like it just it carries a weight. And I think that this movie just really held your hand in such a great way it hugged your heart it did yeah okay you ready to rate it yeah we should rate it we All could right. we're gonna just talk about this movie the rest of the time if yeah we don't max what is your rate you sure
0: you want me to go first
1: well i don't know why do you say it like that
0: well uh, sometimes I, I like i sometimes um subconsciously go first when i know you're gonna rate something higher than me mm. so and i think i'm gonna rate this higher than you so i was gonna maybe let you start it and i was gonna finish it up i don't care either way i'm, I'm just stoked to be talking about it so if you want me to rate it i'll rate it I'll rate it. Okay, go ahead. So
1: for me, this movie I'm gonna say it was an eight point three.
0: Okay. Eight point
1: three. I really liked it. It did have some flaws with the length. I think there that was my main thing was like I didn't want to be bored during this movie, but I felt myself getting a little bored okay. just in a few spots. Might have been under caffeinated. Okay. You know, that that's a very yeah, slim true. margin of error there. But yeah. Overall it's a very memorable film. It's uh, it watches like uh, an art gallery almost which is the beauty of the scenes i like the message i like the 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 character of mont i liked a lot oh, that's about great. This movie. he's so good Can we, he's so yeah. sweet
0: i wanted to hug him dude That's the scene whole where time. they're skateboarding on the same board oh my god come on which is like another thing of like class inequality like they can't even like they have to get to wherever they're going cuz they can't wait for the bus they don't even have a car yeah ugh there's so much commentary here yeah it's great it is. Can you buy it on the skateboard? But also, shitloads of people don't have cars in San Francisco. That's true. But yeah. also,
1: yes, like they're seeing two people skateboard on the same board. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen
0: that in the movie. Before. No. But then, yeah, the people that don't have cars by choice are like the two white girls on the bus at the end that hate San Francisco. Right. It's like, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Go back that to that. line, you're from. though. You you don't get you, to hate oh, it. Oh, it's so
1: good. You unless have you've loved unless it. you love it. You don't get to hate oh, it. It's so like true. I want to like write that down and like put it on the wall. It's
0: poetic AF, dude. For as real. They say.
1: I think I like this movie. The more we talk about same. it,
0: same. Yeah, it's hard not to. Max, what would you rate it? That's what I rated it. At. An eight. No, what are you looking at? That's your rating. Know. Damn. Where me. are we going? We're down in the middle I'm here. Oh, there it is. Really? Yeah, it's a ten for me, man. Wow. I think this might be my first ten of the year. Uh, I this think this is, is one of your first tens ever. No, I've given tens. Blind Spotting was a ten. Okay. Um, this is certainly going to be in like my top ten. I might even say my top five of the year. I know it's early, but we'll see what else happens. This was an incredibly moving movie. I loved it. There's so much to digest uh, thematically, visually, sonically. Soundtrack is amazing. The performances were really good. I fell in love with both of these main leads immediately. Yeah. I empathized with them. I understood what they were going through somehow, even though I've never been in those shoes. It is a great movie. Uh, if you can see the last man, the last black man in San Francisco, go see it. Um, Find a way to stream it. Find for, it online.
1: Yeah. Uh, buy a copy of it. Buy it, when it if comes out.
0: Yeah. Support. Support. Stuff like this support independent films and uh, art and and original stories is yeah. where I'm going to get to.
1: I think the originality of this movie is what sets it way far yeah. apart. Um, but yeah, I'm going to buy a copy of this. I think everyone listening should too because okay. we need more movies like this. It was written from just a beautiful perspective, and mm-hmm. had beautiful things to say, um, and it made you feel things like you yeah. said. Like I've never been in anywhere close to those shoes. No. But, yeah, the, the the level of empathy induced by this movie was uh, kind of annoying. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, so I I can't wait to watch it again uh, yeah. with a couple cups of coffee in me. Yeah. So that's uh, that's a 10 from Max. And uh, 8.2, 3, 4, like that, 7? Uh, 3. Uh, yeah, 8. Whatever. 8.3 uh, 8. from me. Uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco. Please seek it out, support it, and love it because we like to support independent film. Uh, but
0: now we're going to talk about when we the come line, back, yeah, the Lion King, we're going to get one so, more, uh, good craft beer in us. And then yeah. we will talk about the opposite of an independent film. It's a rough segue. Um, it's, it's actually in some ways a very perfect segue. Speaking of independent film, uh, let's talk about the Lion King. Listen, so, um, we're going to follow the same kind of format, um, though it doesn't really warrant the same type of spoiler alert because it's the Lion King and there it's, We'll get into this when we get to Lion King, but there's no new twists. It's been twists. out since 1994. Right? Um, so we'll come back with our second and potentially final beer. We'll get into some hot and bothered stuff. We'll talk about Lion King, and then we'll see where the night takes us. Um, yeah, anything else? You good? Don't leave. Don't leave. We'll be right back. Mm. You know what, I oh we mo mo wet a we mo wet a we mo wet a mo wet a wet a wet a mo wet a mo wet a wet a mo wet a
1: mo wet a we wet a mo wet a wet a wet a wet oh
0: I feel like this is a proper transition here for our next beer. In a fight, who do you think would win? A ninja or a unicorn? That depends. Because well, like, how are we establishing the rules of what a unicorn can or cannot do, Exactly.
1: Right? We have to establish the power structure
0: and... Uh, sure. But also, ninjas are real sneaky. Johnny Summers, describe the can that you were looking at from, again, Pipeworks Brewing, Ninja versus Unicorn. This is an
1: artistic explosion of a ninja fighting a unicorn. We've got the can bifurcated into a ninja half and a unicorn half with completely contrasting color schemes. The ninja is a very uh, rising sun type color scheme with big light beams. With black underneath, bright oranges, reds, kind of dark but bright still too, all dressed in black. He's got two what look like uh, katanas, I'm going to say. Those are ninja swords of
0: some kind. Yeah, but if they're both katanas, that's unlikely. Nobody ever uses two katanas. They're too long. Are they short swords or long swords? They look long. Um, can Oh, they do look long. You're right. Those might be katanas. <laughs> yeah. But like Leonardo Ninja Turtle style katanas. Yeah. And then we have the other half of the can,
1: which is very bright, very, like, cotton candy, pastel, rainbow clouds, and, uh, like, light blues, light greens, light pink, and a very uh, angry-looking unicorn with a very sharp horn and a bloodshot eye locked in what I assume is an eternal embrace of combat with the ninja on this can. Yeah. So this evokes some strong emotions in me. I feel like I want to fight a horse now. Well, you know, one of the origin stories for a unicorn is the narwhal.
0: Yeah? I've heard that. I
1: haven't really, but yes, I believe it.
0: It's a thing. It's like, um, or maybe it can't be the other way around. Um, Yeah, people would see like a narwhal, old sailors would back in the day, and they would be like, what the hell is this weird uh, horn? Um, And the closest thing people would do is, well, it's just a horse. A water horse. What? With a, I think I have that right, but it does sound crazy now that I say it. That sounds like crazy pants. We will do some digging, but I want to say that this is a world-class beer. As far as beer advocate ratings go, it's got a 95 out of 100. Um, I've never had this before. Have you? Long time ago to share, too drunk, didn't remember what it tastes like. Okay. So
1: basically tasting it now for the first time again. And so what does it taste like? Oh, hot damn. This beer is impressive. Good. Okay. Uh, I am very, very impressed with its it's drinkability. It, it is light and fruity up front, but it's got this nice body and nice carbonation, and it really is rounded out by this delicious hop punch in the in the back of it that kind of leaves your mouth a little dry, a little bitter, but not in a bad way, in a way that makes you want to just drink the rest of it. Right. This is a really damn good beer from uh, the old Pipeworks out of Chicago, Illinois.
0: So they say. Ninja versus Unicorn celebrates the epic battle between two of the biggest hop heads of lore. I don't think that's true what <laughs> with over five pounds of hops per barrel which is a lot this unfiltered double ipa is sure to please the most discerning hop lover whether you're rooting for the mythical horned horse or the deadly assassin of the east we hope you'll enjoy ninja versus unicorn um which i think i just want to jump in we have talked about the difference between hazy and unfiltered and if there is a difference and just by looking at this beer it doesn't look like a hazy beer to me this doesn't scream i'm going to be juicy and fruity and tropical and delicious Uh, It says more to me like I'm going to be West coasty and hoppy and piney and resinous and delicious. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Um, So you've tried it. Yes. Uh, Does any of that match up? Yeah, it does. It's very uh, West Coast-inspired. There's still
1: a little bit of juiciness, but the overall presence is just of these deep, resonating hops in your mouth, which I really, really, really like. And this beer is relatively fresh. It's within a month or two old. That's a big difference. Yeah. Uh, It was canned... Almost exactly two months ago today. Okay, the
0: day. well, I, I think that's impressive then. Yes. Um, yeah, man, I get a lot of like really piney hop notes. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it's a bit sweet, but I don't not like a juicy type sweet. It's it's very hop presence type sweet for me. Um, pretty carbonated, not too heavy feeling. At eight percent, I kind of expected it to be a bit bigger feeling. The first beer felt uh, heavier. It did. The yeah. Gumball head. Yes. Uh, I'm not mad at this at all. I think this no. is
1: quite tasty. It was real good.
0: Uh, again, worth pointing out Trevor Macharo. Thank you for this beer. Um, I really think it's very tasty. Yep. I agree. Um, any other initial observations you want to talk about? I mean, besides just the, the
1: pure love I have for the can, it's really another situation where the
0: outside matches the inside. Yeah. Did you want to talk about what the, uh, wait, this is that, sorry. Um, was that that was on this episode, right? The gumball head, the uh, the yeah, outside matching inside thing, dude. That was like 40 does that minutes. I feel ago? like it was so long ago to me.
1: I don't know, that was today, yeah. Okay, but yes, I think Trevor Maturo knows that I'm just a slut for cool cans.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you talk about it a lot.
1: I do, I love can art and I love the pipe pipeworks can art on this. This is a can that I would like cut apart and flatten out so I could just look at it.
0: Yeah, I could probably find you some printouts of that or like at least the H, HD graphic whatever cuz that I've is got, a really cool like that could make a really nice coaster i think i've got it in hd and 3d That's we true. should just
1: cut up the can yeah sure <laughs> get your tin snips yeah dude um you have them out from that bris last weekend right from the what bris Briss? do you not know what a bris is i don't think i've ever heard that of that was the jewish ritualistic circumcision of a my young man my
0: god yep whose whose bris was i was i performing it or was it on me I don't last know. weekend i can't remember you're the one with the tin snips all right i don't know the idea that they use tin snips in a circumcision is uh, horrible to me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, you can hire somebody to come to your house and do
0: that to your baby. Well, sure. I'm sure it's like the equivalent of a like any type like a midwife or a doula or there's people will come to your house for anything. Yeah. Some man. people do it when you don't even ask them to. But like if then, you're gonna do that to a baby, at least do it in a hospital. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Come on. <laughs> that's a good idea. Man. Jeez. Um wanna rate it?
1: I do, because I really like it. And yeah. I am going to give it, out of all the double IPAs I've had, this one is up there. You're going to want to
0: travel for this one. You're going to want to drive to a can release. In Chicago, Illinois. Mm. Where do you think? So this is not around town. I haven't seen it. I don't think you have either, right? No, and I don't remember where
1: he went. Sorry, Trevor. I don't remember where you were on vacation. You brought this back from, but it wasn't around here. This is, um. oh, shoot. This is like a 9-2. Wow, that's very, very high. It's a really world-class double IPA. I I think it holds its own against any beer out there right now. It's it's world-class. I don't think there's any way other than that to put it. Yeah. It holds up, man.
0: 9-2. 9-2. Okay. Uh, I'm right up there with you, except in my rating book, it's a 9. Effectively the same rating, more or less. It's a fantastic beer. It's hoppy. It's present. It's bubbly. It's bright. It's tasty drinkable. It's very drinkable for a beer that hit that strong. Yeah, for sure. Um I'm I'm very stoked about this. Ninja versus Unicorn pipeworks. Get it if you can. Uh can double joke because it is in one because you can can can. Sure. Uh you move right along, hot huh? and bothered? Let's do it, man. Let's put the uh Ninja V Unicorn
1: to death. But final vote, who wins? You say Unicorn? I still say Unicorn. Well, just to be contrarian, sure. I'm going to say Ninja because right. he's got swords. Yeah. I'm just trying to think how else the, the unicorn would actually do physical damage besides
0: a highly avoidable I mean like kicking. Kicking's spike. a big one. Yeah. Horses are fast. Like if you Especially if it's a magic horse. Right. Like you gotta assume there's some um like heightened ability, right? From the the mythical quality of this. You would think. It's mother's uh well it's it's look, man. I'm getting my myths confused. Not Pegasus, just the unicorn. It's wife is not Medusa. Never mind. It's hard to say is the point.
1: Yeah, makes you wonder who a unicorn's married to.
0: Sure. If anybody knows what the answer to this question is, please email us or tweet us. Nope, I'm, I'm vetoing that. Send us a video of you describing it. That's even better, yes. Yep, I want to see it. But email it to us. We can get it in HD. and It's not like some pixelated Twitter video.
1: FHCCast at gmail.com. Send us that unicorn information.
0: Johnny, my friend, what has you
1: hot and or bothered? Well, as promised, I am going to give you a spoiler-free take on Stranger Things episode season three. Slash season three.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was was that last week? You said that?
1: I don't remember. I don't man.
0: Know, man, it was sometime in the past, but we're not talking about that because it's gone. We're yes. in the present. I have man. to interrupt you once because I want to say this on record. I have now officially seen the first episode of season three based on your recommendation. Okay. Um. So, in case it's not clear to our viewers, please, for me at least, no spoilers. Uh, For the season.
1: No spoilers, just overall take. Great. Uh, This, as does first and second season, live up to what you expect from this show. I love the overall aesthetic of this. To me, this season really dove deeper into the 80s aesthetic and really just lived in that sandbox of pop culture, Mm. which I really, really enjoyed. They kind of did that, you know medium strong-handedly in the first two seasons, but this third season really fully embraces it, and it's a really fun place for the show to play in. Uh, I like the plot. I like these these characters getting older. The whole cast is still completely intact, and we're kind of just aging with these characters, and I love that they haven't recast it. They they just are dealing with problems that are more fitting to their age. Um, as you might suspect, there's some sort of unknown force threatening the world and 11 and her band of cohorts have to figure out a way to get through it and save the world. But it's, uh, it's funny because they've kind of done the same thing for the first three seasons or all three seasons and they've gone about it kind of uniquely in a way that keeps you interested and stimulated. And it's not too, um, you know, cannibalistic of itself. It really is just fresh every time. And I think this newest season really, uh, fulfills that and and gives you fresh takes and new relational dynamics and different characters and different points of view different problems to uh, figure out and stuff like that so uh, overall i really really liked it there was a couple episodes that kind of almost lost me just due to the high cheese factor of just like silly goose writing um but i'm starting to realize my point of view is pretty heavily predicated on how much caffeine i've had yeah so i might have just been sleepy yeah. when i watched that episode because it was literally just episode five yeah fuck that episode okay um but looking back i'm like it was actually pretty good right um so yeah i really liked it and i think it holds up against any of the seasons thus far so stranger things season three so my
0: take my my questions there's like um for me at least watching the first two seasons there have been standout characters yes and there have been some that i've also been like well Okay, I get it. Like they're kind of just beating a dead horse here. Um, so my question would be like who stands out and who maybe fades a little bit more than they have in the past, if anybody. Uh Will fades. Sure. Yeah. Will if you if you've seen season one is and two is uh the younger brother yeah. of uh Mike, is it? No.
1: Isn't his name? They're Mike? not related.
0: They're not? No.
1: Oh. Will has heard. got is uh Naomi wait, wait, wait not Naomi. The the main character, the mom. Uh she was in Beetlejuice. Oh, um, Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder. Yeah, uh, that's her son. Oh, oh, and Jonathan's his brother. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. Um, so he kind of fades a little, but also the um, the kid with no teeth really <laughs> comes into a, like, a lot of prominence. <laughs> I would like. I was about to look him up, but like everybody knows you. Yeah. About. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and also, um, a little sister shows up. That we didn't even know existed. Oh, that, okay. And I'm not gonna spoil it. Okay. There's no spoilers, but sure. she turns into this, like, badass that's, like, full of quippy one liners that, like, at times it's tedious, but you also. You don't mean Max, do you? No.
0: Okay. Nope. So she's also a little no, sister. No, she's
1: one of the main characters, but there's okay. another little sister. And also, we have a surprise, outstanding performance by a co worker of Steve. Yep. At the ice cream shop, love it. I did, yeah. That's what I saw in the first. That was very funny. I believe her name is Robin. Sure, she's fantastic. Okay, just so you know, this whole series, she's great. Okay, so there are outstanding roles, and they're not from who you see. Who you would think them, uh, and uh, yeah, overall, really good time, super entertained. I loved the eighties nostalgia overload. It made me want to drink a, a new Coke. Yeah which is when they switched from pure cane sugar to artificial sweeteners. They just called it new Coke. Sure. It's good times. Um, If you're like uh, me. Oh, oh, go ahead. One more thing. This whole uh, season was centered around this mall called star court. Okay. And if you're of a certain age, you recall just being at a mall. That was like the central, that was like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram (laughs) all in one place. Yep. And like, for real, that's what it was. Like, that's where you got the news. That's where you met people. That's yeah, where you the network. watering hole. It was dude. It was totally the watering hole. The the mall was social networking before it was a thing. And it really, this series encapsulated that in a fun and uh very nostalgia driven way. Do so, we feel
0: okay saying maltering hole or not so much? A uh, mall porn? Maltering hole.
1: A, a maltering. That sounds like you're over malting a beer. Yeah, it does a little bit. Okay. Not my best. The Watering Mall. Um,
0: okay, yeah. Um, if you haven't seen all of Stranger Things and you're like, man, I really want to be part of this jazz, but I I can't watch season three yet, I would encourage you to go seek out a thing called A Stranger Things Christmas. And it's really hard to find. It's only three minutes long. It's a tiny little animated short, and it's a crossover between uh, Peanut from Charlie Brown and um, Will Byers. And the synopsis is thus. In this Peanuts Stranger Things mashup, Will Byers returns home from the Upside Down, but can't seem to shake off the traumatic experience. Johnny, I'll show it to you. Is this something you've seen? This is the poster for it? Yeah. It's not available to watch anywhere that I can find, but if you find it, please, for the love of God, tell me you've, what that's like. But you've I, seen it? No, no, no. I just looked it up because uh, i heard about it, and I wanted to see if it was verifiably true before I set it on the airwaves. Oh,
1: okay. Well, and it seems to be. I am uh, plugged into the underbelly of the internet, so I pretty much guarantee i'll
0: find you that video it has 40 reviews on letterbox <laughs> oh it's out there somewhere. so yeah it's out there have you looked it up on the youtube no but it's probably where it is we can watch the star wars christmas wookie special thing next to it so we'll find it you just made it sound like this massive mystery
1: and you haven't even looked on youtube
0: well no i was just doing it while you were talking i didn't look on youtube i'll look on that i'm not gonna look on youtube while you're talking to me that's that's like excessively that's too rude. rude i'll look on letterbox i can still listen to you yeah
1: all right well we'll find that so anyways that's what's got me hot also i I have so much i've been
0: watching a lot of content lately i know i'm gonna give you you've got a wife at home right now mine's not home for a couple hours it's fine we'll do whatever we gotta do it's fine yeah have you watched you on
1: netflix what is that it's an original series about a guy that gets a girl to fall in love with him by stalking her it's gross so far i hate it keep talking it won't get better if you watch it. And what it kind the hell? of Is it turns a documentary? It, or no, like? it's, it's a soap opera. It's like Ugh. a the drama like scripted drama. Uh and I really liked it because it was really twisted and kind of horror-ish. Okay. At the beginning, like it was just this like uh unrequited love story that like led to some pretty serious stalking that led to like stalking in relationship and it was a really really deep dive into uh, abusive relationships and abusive interpersonal like the whole show's kind of about abuse and like how like to be not in a relationship or <laughs> okay, well, that's in well that's a good um undercurrent it was fascinating though it was like a character study of this psychopath that like gets this girl to fall in love with him by completely stalking her
0: i don't love that that doesn't sit right with me just by hearing that description. It's fucked because by the end of the series, you're like kind of charmed by this guy. No, we're all that girl.
1: Damn yeah. it. Okay. It kind of, but also like, no, like it's this prime example of like everything that's wrong. But It was just a really thought provoking, interesting show. And it, I wanted to bring it up because it led to some really interesting conversations. Yeah. And I think shows that do that are important, especially if it brings up conversations of past abuse or you know past bad relationships that like sure. fucked you up in some way so also it was, it was really entertaining and mm-hmm. it was well written well acted and it's a netflix original called you got it why are you you fair you. enough and you'll love this the only reason i started watching it is because uh my favorite comedian one of my favorite
0: comedians, Wait, uh chris D'Elia. okay it was one of three that i was yeah. gonna guess what were the other two <laughs> uh the shirtless dude burt Kreischer. nope uh, and then the other guy I was gonna guess was uh He's not even in my top Oh 10. is he really not? No. Oh. Uh
1: I've pretty much decided that I don't like
0: Burt Kreischer. Good for you, man.
1: He's not funny. <laughs> He's not that funny. He's not that funny. Uh
0: if you're a Burt Kreischer fan and you're like, is he that funny? I would say maybe watch Nate Bargatze instead. Yeah. Uh, or he did, has a new special. Did you, did you watch the Tom Segura? Tom Segura's one. Secret of those. Time. That's Burt Kreischer. Or not Secret Time. Uh, I know what you're talking Disgraceful. about. Disgraceful. No. You've been You and me Brian that. Massa I'm have both told me to watch it. Ooh. I and, know him. I know, and I know. Okay, I'll watch it. I'll watch it tonight. Bro, if we get done here in the next thirty minutes, come over I'll watch to my house it. after this. I'll feed you some dinner. We'll we watch need to watch it. Citizen Kane in your viewing room ASAP because yes, people people need do. to know what you think. So I watched another show, but it doesn't really matter. I've been talking a long. Well, give time. Give me like a thirty second synopsis of this other show.
1: Um, went on a deep exploration of Hulu. Found a show called Risking It All on TLC. It's kind of a reality-based documentary show about three families that sell everything they own to try and live off-grid and be completely self-sufficient. And it's fucking fascinating. And it makes me want to sell everything I own and live in an RV or like a tent in the woods and be totally sequestered from all humanity except when I see movies and record with you.
0: Yeah, well, we can figure that out. I would fully support you. Come to the woods. I'll record Mm, with you. Yeah, that's the the catch there. I like the woods as much as the next guy, but you know, it's not much Wi-Fi out in them woods. Well,
1: no. So if you have Hulu and you get bored cause you're like all caught up on MasterChef, chef yeah. watch risky uh, business, risking it all. I was so close. Yeah, <laughs> that was, it was, it's a trip. It's a little yeah. too drama ish for me, but I got through the whole series and um, definitely made me consider just yeah. buying a piece of property
0: and living in the woods. It's not a bad way to go from I, what I hear. I, I kind of want to. So I just have a brief, uh, incidentally hot, which made me bothered. You're incidentally hot. Like yeah. you just like, oops, I woke up like this. I do. So often I wake up, I'm like, man, is it really this hot where I live? And then more times than not, yes, it is. So I wanted to invest in another standing air conditioning unit for our studio. Cause I have one that kind of migrates between rooms. Yes. And the one that's in here that we
1: use, like when we're on breaks and stuff to like cool mm-hmm, down the room mm-hmm.
0: Super loud. I'll go ahead and say the one that we're going to get tomorrow, just as a for you spoiler alert, uh, is going to be too loud to use. But it will live in here, which means consistently I'll be able to have it cold in here when we start. The blinds will be drawn. It'll stay cooler. But today I had the idea, and I've had it for uh, several weeks actually, and I acted on it. I was going to go to Lowe's, and I was going to buy and make a um, DIY fan air conditioning unit. The way I was going to do it was get a desk fan that oscillates, wrap a uh, copper tubing around the front, connect that to a water pump, which is in a chest full of ice and water, and pump the water through the copper coils to blow the cold copper air into the room. There's lots of designs for it online I've learned about, and I was going to do it. And Did you pin that shit? No, I don't have a Pinterest board. But the supplies were going to be like 100 bucks, And then I was at Lowe's and literally at the end of the aisle with the fans were these like swamp cooler type things. Evaporative air coolers is what they're called. So I bought one. Same idea as far as I could tell, except they were not. They basically just cool off uh, air with cold water and then spit it out into the room. But then when the water gets not so cold, it turns into like humidity. (laughs) So I bought one and I came here and then like I'm sitting in this room prepping our notes for the episode. And I'm like, like dabbing my forehead, I'm like, I swear it should be cold. Maybe it's whatever. I, I'm ignoring it. And then like an hour later, I step out of the room to get a glass of water. Come back in, and it's like, it's like full-on Florida Panhandle swampees. <laughs> I'm like, this is a this is a piece of garbage. Why did I buy this? You have
1: created a rainforest.
0: Yeah, in dude, the recording studio. It, it was studio. so humid. It was so like I was like, what am I doing? I use all of my ice in my refrigerator's ice maker. So we're taking it back. Is the point? I'm getting us a portable AC unit tomorrow. Uh, used. I think it's good. I'm going to go try it out. And that's where I'm at. All right. That's my hot and by proxy bothered.
1: I like it. Yeah.
0: It's, yeah,
1: that's accurate. I just want to be air conditioned.
0: How do you feel now? Out of 10? Yeah. Like a 7? Yeah, I'm like a seven two. It's like, I'm not sweating. You're a 7.2? Did you add a 7.2? Um, it's not hot. I mean, it's also um, 7.30 at night. It's uh, cooling off outside probably. I think so. I don't know how temperature works, man. If, if it were like this in here all the time, I'd be fine with it. You know, the candle's probably heating it up quite it a bit. It probably is. And we that light a, bulb is probably doing something We have a small fire burning. Yeah. yeah. There was that scene in Triple Frontier where they, like, lit money on fire. Oh, yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. That's what got Ben Affleck killed. It's like, all right, dude. But was it? But was it? All right, listen. So that's hot, and that's bubbly. Yes. <laughs> you want to talk about Lion King? Not really, but let's. But first a trailer.
1: Um, A few years ago, my family was on a safari in Africa, and um, my cousin, Mufasa was, um, he was trampled to death by a pack of wildebeests. And, um, we all took it really hard. There's
0: more to see than can ever be seen. More to do than can ever be done. It's the circle of
1: life. All of us kind of in the audience of what happened. Do you want to talk about it? Oh, it would probably take me like an hour and a half to tell that whole story.
0: If you like Pina Coladas or you have half a brain, you might realize that that was not, in fact, a trailer from the newest Lion King. That was a mashup of the original song, The Circle of Life, with an overdub of uh, Ryan from The Office talking about his experience as Simba. What are you talking about? That was. Uh... Was that the newest one?
1: No, that was an actual trailer from the new movie. I'm
0: so sorry. I was mistaken. God. Dude. The one directed by Jon Favreau. Obviously. Sure. Uh, Johnny, read the summary for The Lion King as I have written in our notes, please.
1: Dude, we've all seen this in one form
0: or another. No. I am not taking the time. That's right, Johnny. That is a summary for The Newest Lion King 2019, starring Donald Glover as Simba, Beyonce as Nala, chiwetel Ejiofor as Scar, James Earl Jones as Mufasa, the only person from the original movie, John Oliver as Zazu, Seth Rogen as Pumbaa, and, in my opinion, the MVP, Billy Eichner, as Timon. Um... So this film came out on July 19th. As of the 22nd, it's made ready $212.8 million. Um, My God, that's so much. It's just under two hours long uh, by two minutes. It's rated PG. um, And it's about the things that you know, because we've all seen the Lion King. Yep. The biggest difference is this is a photorealistic, uh, we'll say live action, although Let's be real, they didn't train lions to do this. It's all CG the whole thing from start to finish. You mean lions can't sing? Yes. Um they cannot. Well, maybe they can, but they certainly don't sing by moving their mouths like humans do. No. So, look man, uh you saw this yesterday, right? Yeah. What'd you think? Uh let's I, like we're obviously going to rip on this a bit. But so maybe we'll get like the the positive stuff out of the way. What did you like about this movie?
1: Well, I'm going to tell you what I thought cuz you asked me that first. All right. I thought That this movie was exactly uh, like almost a scene for scene remake of The Lion King Mm. with photorealistic animals, which really uh, detracted a lot of certain things. And we're going to get into that quite a bit. Uh, What I liked, the animals were cute. They looked like real baby lions, which is fun. Very fun. Very fun. Who doesn't love that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's it. Yeah. There's my uh like I said, uh, like you said, Billy Eichner stand out. Very good. Uh him and Seth Rogen's interactions as Timon and Pumbaa were fantastic. They were also the only times in the movie where they really kind of went
0: off script. There was one scene with a tiny mouse that we followed for more than the original Lion King. Yep. I think. Maybe, <laughs> I'm not even positive. Maybe but those two moments. Yes, I agree. Yeah. But those two moments stood out. Um so those are what I liked. Yep. That's, um, that's right in line with what I enjoyed. Um, there's, there's been this sort of, uh, epidemic of Disney original, we'll say remakes, because in this case it is, like you said, almost shot for shot. I haven't seen the Lion King in a long time at this point. It's almost an outbreak. Yeah. Right. Um, or a pandemic maybe. Um, the, the other one, I mean, they've done a bunch this year, right? It was this, there was Aladdin and there was one more, right? And right, chipping out. Can you think of one? Beauty and the Beast or Jungle Book? Beauty those and the Beast. So the Jungle Book actually came out, I think, last year. But that was um, but offered enough difference, I think. Did Beauty and the Beast come out this year? I think it might have. Oh, shoot. Was it?
1: I think it was last year, too. Yeah, it feels more like last year. Because they came out around the same time. Okay. The, that and Jungle Book. But um, at least Aladdin and this one yes. are really new remakes. And we yeah. didn't see Aladdin because, ew.
0: Yeah, I mean, we just didn't, like... And to be fair, we almost didn't see this. To be fair. To be fair. Um, But it seemed, you know, we can't really skip two of these uh, box office gargantuans. Because coming back to like The Last Black Man in San Francisco, like support indie film. Not everybody does. Some people tune into this podcast, I'm sure, uh, for more of the popular movies, which is fine. And if they stuck it
1: out for an hour and 40 minutes. To get to this, that's
0: why we put Lion King second. Even though in the title of this episode, it will be first. We've tricked you. It's a ploy. We got (laughs) you. Like... Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. There's cute little lions. There's cute meerkats. I don't want to call Pumbaa cute because he was almost too much of a warthog, and warthogs are not the daintiest looking creatures. There's a great flashback with him farting, which I actually found hilarious. Yeah, I laughed at all the farts um, because I'm nine. Sure, I mean it's a very it's a very funny spin. I wish there were more um, glimpses or farts, yeah, or of like just glimpses of originality for me. Um, will of course, like you said, get into like what it means to make a photorealistic quote unquote animal try to express emotions that an animated cartoon might do. The biggest scene, the emotional scene in the Lion King, we all think of is Mufasa dying. Um, I, am going to guess it didn't work for either of us. Um, correct. Yeah. Like I, I sat there as the credits rolled and was like, cause it wasn't just animals mouths moving. They were moving with the pronunciations of people. Yeah. Like their lips and their tongues moved like human mouths. It was
1: like a green screen on, like imagine uh, planet Earth, but except that the lions had a green screen just yeah. over their lips. Yep. And they had full enunciation and the lips moved perfectly. It was so weird,
0: man. I, but, but my point is like I was sitting there for the credits and it's like, what would I have preferred? Once more with feeling. The point is I was sitting there wondering what I would have preferred. Yes. And the alternative, I guess, would, there's two. There's one, there's the homeward bound approach, which is you kind of just look at these real animals, quote unquote, and you're just like hearing their thoughts and just accept the fact that they can hear each other. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that would have worked either, which made me think like, well, then like outside of this being a money grab, why was this movie made? And I can't think of a reason. Money. Money. Disney execs, if you're listening, feel free to write us in. Our email is fhccast at gmail.com. I will fuck you up over the Whoa. emails. We'll retweet you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know, man. It feels, it feels yeah, like a money grab. It's It seems like a waste of time to me. Yeah. I didn't need to see this. There were, The good things that I didn't get a chance to say, songs are fun. Cool. I love it. Were they? They were all right. I was super bummed out. Beyonce was not that exciting <laughs> singing-wise. No. Like, she had one song, right? There was the uh, Spirit. field Feel the Love Tonight? Oh, our Spirit, yeah. That's a new song, which wasn't good. Spirit. Yeah, yeah. I can't, which one was that? Spirit. I don't. I don't you know. even think I. What, what part of the movie that happened?
1: Uh, after can you feel the love tonight? Okay. When, when uh the the littler lion. Uh, Poom, no, what's his name? Simba.
0: Yeah, is like sure. running
1: across the dunes to catch up with him. Oh
0: yeah yeah okay. That's sure. what it was
1: playing, and that's like their Oscar
0: grab from all the reviews I've heard. Right. Um, and then like Don or Danny Here we go again Donald, Donald Glover, Glover. Is, Danny Glover I know is, I love that it's by the way Both of those people In this one episode Yeah If you've heard My confusion in the past About those two Glovers This is like my My uh, It's because they both Are black right Herculane That's, that's the bottom line It's because their last names Are Glover They look the and same And they both start with D Isn't that the point here? All right All black people look the same Yeah This is the last one In the Sahara Bruh um, Rude <laughs> The last line yeah, The least. last black line In the Sahara desert <laughs> Um, no, but like Donald mm. Glover has some fucking awesome music out there and like they relegated him to like sort of generic, not a whole lot of new spins on his art artistry basically. Yeah. And it was not moving to me. I liked like, you can't help but get into like humming along to the familiar melodies and stuff. Yeah. Like when that theme song hits, you're like, Oh cool. But I think you made a good point earlier. You were like the colors in this movie. And we were both on the same page. Like, yeah, they were—they were not there. Like, I want—I want a bright blue Zazu, and I want giant pink flamingos, and I want giraffes that are doing this synchronated shit with their necks. Well, just watch the trailer of the original 1994, right. and you will see how much more vibrant yeah. this movie should have been. I just and- don't think it contributes. To it. it doesn't do anything for the original no. movie, and there's no way to look at this that is not just a money grab. Yeah, I think
1: because being so hyper photorealistic. You lose all emotion. Yeah, and we just watched while we were playing the song, the the intro song. Um, uh, you know the the intro to Circle of Life. Yeah, we I was just blown away by how much like Mufasa, Mufasa was hugged Zazu. It was smiling, <laughs> like all the animals are smiling. Yeah, and it just it had this life and this 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 beautiful breath of its own that this movie did not have this movie felt cold and dead behind the eyes, like a butcher block fish that is past its prime.
0: Yeah. So here's the question. I think this is the most interesting conversation we're going to have with regards to the lion King is that neither of us, as far as I know, have heard a counter argument. Nobody's been like, Oh no, you're wrong. It's not a mini grab. It's good for these reasons. Right? I haven't read that article. I haven't talked to that person. I don't know why. So again, Disney execs. Right, which brings me to the point that I wrote down, which is why we have an extra page of notes today. And I'm going to read a quote from Box Office Mojo, one of our favorite uh, money uh, number type websites. And they say, with an estimated $185 million, Disney's The Lion King topped the weekend box office with a record opening weekend for the month of July, topping the previous record held by Harry Potter and The Deathly Hallows Part Two with $169.1 million. The, de- the debut was the second largest opening of the year so far, the seventh largest of all time. Uh, the film's debut in 4,725 locations was also a record and the debut was also the largest ever for a PG rated film. Okay. So the top 10 largest openings are as follows. Avengers Endgame, Infinity War, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, Jurassic World, Marvel's, The Avengers, Black Panther, The Lion King, Age of Ultron, and Incredibles 2. Of those 10 movies, nine of them were distributed by Buena Vista, which is Disney's distribution arm, basically. Yeah. Um, and and you like you have to ask the question, like, why are people going to see this movie? Is it is it the nostalgia of wanting to relive their childhood? And Disney's like, yes, there's these people that are 30 now that that I guess want to rewatch The Lion King. Is it is it the safety of knowing that they're gonna see a movie that is predictable, it is um wholesome, it's safe, it's nothing that's gonna throw off their weekend. Um, Like, what does it say about the general, and specifically American public, because this is a domestic uh, spreadsheet, like, what does it say about American moviegoers' views, and what are we okay with accepting as, like, yep, this is the bottom line. One company is putting out all of the movies, and we're just fine with it. There's no alternate viewpoints. There's this. We're going to recapitulate and regurgitate every fucking movie forever, yeah. and be fine with it. Nobody's demanding more. God damn it. <laughs> Did you... Watch the Mulan trailer. I didn't even know that was being made. There's another Mulan?
1: They're remaking
0: Mulan. No, I haven't seen we that. We watched
1: the trailer for during this movie. Oh, really? They're, yeah, they're making live-action Mulan. Why? <laughs> yeah. E- Why? Exactly. It's proof in fucking point, man. Like, ugh, it's so revolting that we're just regurgitating everything and i think to answer your question they were going after not only the the nostalgia dollar Mm -hmm. but also the fact that everyone that has that nostalgia
0: dollar has a kid that's about eight fuck dude yeah i mean shit can you imagine like the amount of people like went out and like either rented or streamed the original lion king and then went to take their kids to the new Mm -hmm. one disney's raking it in right now yes and the
1: the morbid thing is that this movie was so much darker and more bleak and more like head fucky <laughs> like how do you mean like scar like really laid into simba like just super like manipulative and like the colors were bleak yeah, and well, yeah. dark and like the elephant graveyard when i
0: remember it it was, it was bright green yeah. And there was flames yeah. and well, yeah, there's, that, there's that song that Scar does. Um, Be prepared. Right. And I leaned over to Gianna after that movie. I was like, was that song in the originals? I don't remember any of that. She's like, no, no, no. It was the one where it was like, yeah, like green flames and the outlines of the hyenas. it's like mm-hmm. Oh yeah. What happened to the hyenas, by the way? Like, uh, where like where was all their character? It was just like they were just like cronies. Yeah. Here. It was like just personalityless. Yeah. Except that one dumb guy. Yeah. Whatever.
1: Yeah. They stripped away all the emotion and the the connectivity and the I mean, we anthropomorphize animals because Disney's taught us to do that, and they really went back on their, their deal. They taught us to do that, and then they gave us this, where the animals have, like, no emotion. I would say
0: they, they doubled down. They were like, we have conditioned you to think they are emotional so much. We can take away their emotions, and you'll still impose them yourselves. Because, I like, Gianna was crying during the Mufasa scene. Uh, another friend that we were with, Carrie, was also crying. And for me, yeah, it was like the same as you, like, it's just, it's, there's, if you take out the sound of that scene, you take out your context of knowing what happens there and like how animated Simba feels, it's just a fucking baby lion yeah. just looking at nothing. <laughs> yeah. And I, also, also I know, having dude.
1: lips that can make sounds.
0: Yeah. Like that was just weird. Yeah. That dude laughable moment when he goes like, no, and the camera like pans away super quick and it's just like, dun, dun, dun. This is weird, man. This is a weird uh, weird movie that I did not like. Yeah, not a fan at all. All right. We've been here for, like, forever. Yeah, it's been a long episode, dude. It's been a good one. Um, do you have any other thoughts on The Lion King?
1: Uh, I talked on the color. I spoke to the lack of emotion. No, man, I think I'm there. I think we made our, our points pretty clear on this one, so... I think we should rate this sucker and uh, put this episode to bed. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I'm
0: going to give it a, it's a three, which is shitty because it still gets me with like, like I'm not going to deny that those songs are nice. And I I did really like, by the way, the Timon and Boomba stuff. Need to double down on that. That was very fun. Sure. They added some new flair. Um, I think Timon as sort of this like flamboyant sort of almost maybe queen type character was very fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and Seth Rogen, some people don't like him as that because it feels too Seth Rogen, but it's like, you cast Seth Rogen, give me Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. I like that stuff. Yep. So it's not a one or anything. It's a it's a three for me.
1: I did not like Beyonce in this movie no. at all. No. Her voice did not fit with Nala. It just, for me, it did not work. No. There was no depth to it and didn't like the songs. I was really excited for the the duet with her and Donald Glover of Can You Feel the Love yeah. Tonight. And it, boy, just...
0: Was it was it Pop Culture Happy Hour, a podcast that we both listened to, um, that talked about how in that moment it should have been like this magical moment of them looking across the water. And yeah. Like, and it was just like two lions. Just, just two lions yeah. drinking water. Yeah. Those observations are like once you notice that, it's like you... I noticed that early on with this movie, it's just it's just they're too realistic. Yeah, except for their stupid mouths. Yeah, but anytime their eyes are supposed to convey emotion, it's like they're they're, they're not just doing that. Dead. Fish We're eyes. supposed to kulishov that onto them, and we don't. Yeah, or I didn't.
1: And no, you didn't. I did not because you know the the original was just so evocative and the emotions were so present. Simba cries
0: in the original. Yeah.
1: Which animals don't do. And lions smiled and they danced together and there was just so
0: much more emotion both joy and sorrow. Can we we briefly also, I'm so sorry to cut you off, but I have to say this in case you were going to wrap us up. There's a scene where Simba like flicks some hair off and it like floats through nature and gets back to uh, Rafiki. Wasn't that in the original? I don't know. I don't think so. I think there was something like that. Maybe. But in this one, we're like, this is real. And Rafiki looks at this clump of hair. That's been shit out by like four animals. He's like, Simba, Simba's alive. (laughs) And it felt so much like that. Speaking of the office, uh, however long ago that was, that scene where Michael throws a paper airplane and like goes and drifts past people. And it ends up like hitting Phyllis in the face and she unwraps it. And it's like bad news. Isn't always what it seems. And, she flips it over like, you have a son and it's me. And Dwight's like, ah, and you don't know talk about her now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it's like the Dunder Mifflin commercial that they made for corporate. That's exactly what that scene felt like. Uh, and it was so funny to me, but it wasn't supposed to be funny. It was supposed to be like, oh, the nature, everything's the circle of life. That was the thing. It's like, that's the circle of life. It's like a piece of hair getting shit out and eaten and floating like a, by a dung beetle, rolling it yeah. around and then a monkey gets it and goes, ah, <laughs> Simba, I'll smear some shit on this rock. The world is saved. That's crazy. If you're going to make it photorealistic, make it physically realistic because that – come on, man. How would it well, – it doesn't matter. Yeah. Whatever. Fine. <laughs>
1: exactly. That's the last um, thing I want to say about So liking. the official fresh hop take on this is that's a – I haven't rated it yet. No, you haven't. It's two. Okay. Flat, sad. Yeah. R- reminding you of Dookie. Yes. It's number two. It's that's a deuce. Sure it's bad so i think the official fresh hop take is you can skip this
0: one yeah i'd skip it like forever yeah
1: like if it's streaming free on netflix
0: watch the great british baking watch Show. triple frontier watch anything no else. i can't actually say that i'd say i'd watch this over triple frontier but somehow i rated that higher that's weird but
1: you know what I life's it was weird a better movie
0: movies are weird hollywood's weird yeah who the fuck knows uh speaking of hollywood Yep. Next week on the show, we're covering a film called once upon a time in Hollywood it is I want to say the ninth movie by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, he kind of lost fell out of grace with me with, uh, the hateful eight, but, uh, we'll be here for that. I hope you guys are here too. We're going to cover some more craft beers. Um, I want to mention one more time if you're on Patreon or you want to be on Patreon, we're having an event, uh, next month, August 17th. That's all I'm going to say here. But if you want to join us on Patreon a buck a week, you can afford it. I promise. I hope. If you have an iPhone that you're listening on, you can afford it. Yep. And if you like this show, just help us out guys. It makes a big difference. And if that's even too much work, give us a rating or review. It helps other people find the show. Even like one review makes endless numbers of people see our podcast on Apple podcasts or Stitcher or, uh, anywhere else that podcasts are. That's right. Uh, if you have thoughts, which I assume a lot of you do on the Lion King or the last black man in San Francisco or a Triple Frontier or the uh what do you call it when you cut somebody open again? Uh, autopsy. <laughs> the autopsy of uh Jane Doe. Write us in. Or if you have thoughts on these beers, we wanna hear those thoughts. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook at Fresh Hop Cinema. You can email us, gmail.com. Share your reviews with us. Untapped, letterboxed. Uh, and yeah, that's I think about it, right? Let's let's go. We have one more thing to say
1: without the support of one Burnsley <laughs> Mernundi uh Mernundi. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry sure. I had to correct that. yeah Burnsley Mernundi. Yes. uh this podcast would not be made possible so thank you Burnsley uh and good night <laughs> that's
0: Johnny Summers that, I'm max Menardi that's right we'll see you next time Report to we, we hope you enjoy This is is Fresh fresh Hot Cinema.